Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Perfectville, your first place podcast for your first place playoff bound Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. I am Sam Marcou, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Colon. Doctor, happy holidays, and how in the hell are you, my friend? Yeah, last show of 2023, Sam. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. We just, on national TV, on Christmas Eve, beat... The Cowboys had that monkey off our back, the whole can't beat a winning team thing. It was close, but uh, we we did it on multiple phases of the game. So, hey, that's that's what you want at the end of the season. We knew this gauntlet was going to be tough. Cowboys, Ravens, Bills, and we're 1-0 through that tough gauntlet so far. Yeah, we got the Ravens coming up, and we hate the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to get into that game, uh, all up into that game. But uh, before we do, we do have to go back and revisit that Dallas Cowboys game because – so many narratives were changed due to this game. So many questions answered because of this game. This season, Chris, has been about changing narratives and answering questions about the Miami Dolphins. And I think, I think we have almost answered every single one. We've got one more big question, maybe two, with the Baltimore Ravens and then, of course, the Buffalo Bills. But the big one, Chris, everyone shifted their narrative from can Tua Tungabailoa stay healthy? Can Tua Tungabailoa lead a team? Can Tua Tungabailoa throw a deep ball to can the Miami Dolphins beat a team with a winning record? The answer, of course, is now yes. Yes, they can. Not only can they beat a team with a winning record, they can beat a playoff team because the Dallas Cowboys were already in the playoffs when they came to Miami on Christmas Eve, Chris, and lost 22 to 20 walk off field goal by Colonel Sanders, Jason Sanders, five Field goals on the game, three 50-plus yards, uh, 22-20. I think I had it 21-17 to as I choked as Santa Claus. You had it as a very close score, I think 28-14 as well, maybe not so close. But either way, we knew that the Miami Dolphins were up for the task. And what was interesting, Chris, after watching hard knocks on top of all of that was the fact that Mike McDaniel almost lost the locker room prior to the game because he said, I hope this comes down to the last minute. I hope we have the opportunity to have that adversity and overcome. And of course the team's like, hell no, we want to put this away early, but he was 100% right. And the team 100% responded. What do you make of this win, Chris? Uh, interesting win. It's um, something we both expected. Obviously we both predicted victories. Um, I knew it'd be tough. Um, and there was a part of me leading into that show that we did and watching the game where I was like, we're going to lose this here. We go. It's just like, it's not going to end the way we think or hope it is. And cause that ne it never does for us. And, um, we pulled it off and in that drive, that last drive, man, getting third downs picked up to a staying clean. Um, he didn't make any stupid boneheaded decisions where he has in the past. Our guys stepped up, uh, Cedric Wilson stepped up, Tyreek Hill stepped up. And our line stepped up and did really good. And we went down there, drove down there, and God damn, you mentioned him already, but Jason Sanders, fuck. Yeah. He, he he like literally changed his entire narrative of the fan base, like where we we're like, dude, fuck this guy. And he's like, wait, I don't make 50 yarders. Let me make three of them, one being 57. And I'm gonna make the game winner with like the playoffs on the line. And, and, and can I just throw out because sure. a lot of you are listening? Um, our crowd was fucking awesome. 
that home crowd was fucking awesome. Every time the Cowboys were on offense, that fucking crowd was giving it to them. And it was just fantastic to hear on the TV. It was fantastic to see them get a win, clinch the playoffs. And um, we got one more home game to go, hopefully more in the playoffs. And uh, that, But that's up to them. That's a, up, up to them. And all we wanted with two games left, Sam, is to control our own destiny. And we do that right now. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, it is pretty nice. You know what else is nice is the fact that the only people that don't get time off uh, this time of year, of course, of course, pro athletes and hear us at Bet Online with NFL bowl season and NBA in full swing over the holidays. Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up to the second odds, news, and info. Bet Online has all the sports wagering info available you need with both desktop and mobile access. Head there today and to get into the action. Remember to use our promo code Believe B L E A V receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, Chris. And this game was welcoming for all those reasons that you talked about. Um, we already talked about the fact that Mike McDaniel wanted this to come down to a one possession, last possession type game. But how about Tua Tungabailoa during a timeout being savvy enough, being smart enough to Love tell it. Mike McDaniel to not look at Tyreek Hill, even though the play was clearly going to Tyreek Hill. I mean, th that's like a veteran move to know that the other team's probably going to be looking at where the quarterback's eyes and the head coach's eyes and face is going to be looking to try to get some sort of inkling as to where the play is going. And for Tua to say, don't even look at him, don't look at him, and starts looking at Braxton Berrios, yet is talking to Tyreek Hill and telling him, it's going to you, we have to have it. I mean, what an amazing veteran leadership type quality out of Tua Tungavailoa in that moment. That just shows he's been in big moments before and people act like he have, hasn't. You know, if you play at Alabama, you're playing in big games almost every week. Everybody has a bullseye on your back. Uh, you're playing at Tennessee. You're playing at Georgia. You're playing in the SEC championship. You're playing in the national championship. And he knows a competitive advantage might be all it takes to lose. And him in that moment, to be that, that showed me, Sam, he was calm. Yeah, He was calm. He had himself and the game under control and truly believe where you're going to win it. And he's in... That's the kind of mentality, fortitude you want from a quarterback in those moments. Is that like I'm not nervous. I don't see ghosts. I know we're. I trust our team, and I know we're going to go down there. And we're going to win this game. It reminds me of the quote from the beautiful movie Waterboy, where she goes to Lynn Swan. They guess that's what it's going to be, and that's what Tua said, and he knew it was going to happen, and it wasn't a guess. That's what it was going to be, and it was. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, there's so many things happening this season. I, I, when this season is over, whenever that is, and I hope it's not over until sometime in February, looking back at the individual stats and the team stats that this particular Miami Dolphins version is putting out is amazing. Raheem Mostert, over 1,000 yards rushing at 31 years old, 21 touchdowns on the season. Jalen Waddell, over 1,000 yards receiving for the third time in three seasons, uh, he's the first ever in franchise history to do that. And of course, Tyreek Hill, probably not going to get to 2,000 yards, but he's probably going to finish around 1,800 or so. Uh, and oh, by the way, that's just the offense. I mean, what this defense has done, especially since Jalen Ramsey has come back, all they've done is become a top five defense in just about every statistical category since Jalen Ramsey has laid, uh, put on the Miami Dolphins uniform and laid foot on the grass. It's amazing. This really is becoming a well-rounded and complete team. We are going to talk about what they need to do to beat the Baltimore Ravens uh, in just a second here, Chris. But before we move on, because uh, there's so much going on with this team, uh, they do clinch with this win, a playoff spot. They haven't clinched the AFC East yet. They can do that by beating the Baltimore Ravens, or we can back in if somehow the Buffalo Bills lose to the New England Patriots. But they also, as you said, have control 
of their own destiny. They can be the number one seed if they win out. They need no help from anybody. It's exciting to be here going into week 17. The Miami Dolphins haven't been this successful in the regular season since you and I were wee little kids, Chris. I mean, we're talking probably less than 10 years old that they've had this many wins this part of the season with all of this on the line. And you talked about this crowd. You talked about people watching this and being involved. This felt like a playoff game. Yes. Uh, this weekend against the Baltimore Ravens is going to feel like a playoff game. On some level against the Buffalo Bills, it's going to feel like a playoff game. So the Miami Dolphins playoff season starts essentially last week against the Cowboys and is just going forward. Now, the reason why that's important, because the lights are bright right now. In fact, this game, Chris, I looked at the ratings, was the highest rated regular season football game of the season outside of the Thanksgiving games. That means more wow. people watch the Cowboys lose to the Miami Dolphins on Christmas Eve than any other game this season. We're talking 30 million people on Christmas Eve said, I have enough of my family. I have enough preparing for Santa Claus to come to my house. I'm watching this game. And what did they see? They saw a Miami Dolphins team that was disciplined. They saw a Miami Dolphins team that overcame adversity in terms of injuries. They saw the Miami Dolphins stick to the run up the middle with Jeff Wilson late in this game. They didn't get out over their skis. They didn't try to do too much. They didn't get too cute at the at the right moment here. They did what they were supposed to do, and they won the game. Fantastic outing for the Miami Dolphins. Probably, you don't look at the, I mean, that Denver Broncos game is going to be their best game of the season just based on the stats. But outside of that, the quality of the win, December against a playoff team, clinching the playoffs, probably the biggest win of the season so far. It scratched off so many things for me, Sam, as far as um, past issues and skeletons from this team. You, you, you got a home game with some field advantage. We should get this. We lose. You know, it's for we can clinch a playoff game. The Chiefs lost. Oh, we can take advantage of that. We lose. We didn't do those things. We went out and we actually won, Sam. Like they, we made it. Yeah. We're here. We, we're we're kids. Last time this was even a thought. So there's people listening to this, of course, that remember. I like I don't like you don't like like off the bat, like li literally sitting on the couch and watching. I don't remember like being this good with a chance to be the one seed with only two games left, Sam. Right. It is a unbelievable feeling to even say it feels like a fever dream or a dream, I guess. Um, and we're living it. Like we're we're gonna start the game Sunday at one. I'm gonna be a nervous wreck because we have it right there in our hands. Like we can do the impossible to me, a fan like me that's been watching this team since um, I was a, a wee little baby, like you said, but I didn't start until the nineties. And like, we always disappointed. We always got to the far as we could and something happened, an injury happened or we lost or we choked, whatever. Like we can change that narrative and we have the players to do it on all sides of the ball and on the sideline with, with the coaching staff that is um, really helping turn it around. Mike McDaniel and this, all feels like a perfect storm um, where he's brought in former players uh, himself, Vangio coming in as an old dog and the old warden, you know, that like can kind of keep them grounded and, and work on the defense and then going out and getting Jalen Ramsey, who obviously has been such a huge difference to our team. The way these guys are playing right now for each other, you see it on hard knocks. Like I was watching, I was texting my dad during hard knocks. I'm like this locker room, they love each other. Like they, they're buying each other gifts. They're going to each other's charities. They are like making sacks and saying it's for one five. It's for Jalen Phillips. Like they're, they're like, they love each other. And that kind of team is a 30 for 30 in 10 years that wins the Super Bowl, And it, it wasn't expected. And that's something I'm so happy, Sam, you and I, and the citizens of Perfectville 
are a part of right now. We have to enjoy this because we have not been here. This is amazing. Yeah, no, it really is. It's a lot of fun. And uh, this game, New Year's Eve, against the Baltimore Ravens at 1 p.m. Eastern in Baltimore is also going to be a lot of fun because you have now the favorite to be league MVP, Lamar Jackson, against Tua Tungabailoa, who might actually overtake him depending on how this game plays out. Uh, number one and the number two seed in the AFC. The number one seed for the AFC overall is basically on the line. Uh, Miami Dolphins can clinch the AFC East and, and solidify their fate as no less than number two seed overall with a victory, but they're not looking for the number two seed. They're looking for the number one seed and they have right. to do it against the Baltimore Ravens who are arguably the best team in football right now. And if you don't believe me, go ask the San Francisco 49ers because the one disappointment I've had throughout this entire Christmas break here, Chris was turning on the TV to watch the 49ers pound the Baltimore Ravens and give the Miami Dolphins the number one seed by default. And uh, that did not happen. And why? Well, because Lamar Jackson played really, really good. And the defense picked off Brock Purdy and speaking of ghosts, Sam Darnold five times and completely dismantled what I thought was the best team in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers. And they looked like they didn't even break a sweat. So this is going to be a tough battle between the Miami Dolphins and, of course, the Baltimore Ravens. It is on the road. The Miami Dolphins are better at home than on the road. It is late December, as late as it could possibly be in December. So many factors, so many people buying into Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens hype. Not a lot of people see the Miami Dolphins having a chance in this game, which is also a reason why I hate the Baltimore Ravens. I know you hate the Baltimore Ravens, Chris. Let's get into it. Let's hate the Baltimore Ravens together and preview this some bitch. What do you say? I love it. Let's hate. Let's hate. All right. Do you want to go first or should I go first? How would you like to do this? Um, I will go first. All right. Chris is going to go first. He's going to give you a, an outstanding and stellar reason to hate the Baltimore Ravens, just like he does. Um, so, Sam, I hate that the Baltimore Ravens seem to have this weird, I don't know, you know how like bagels and pizza are better in New York because they say it's the New York water supply, like it's something in their water and that makes it better. There's something in the water in Baltimore that makes average Joes or like decent defensive players show up and they're fucking insane. Like they put on that purple jersey and they wear the black helmet and they look like predators out there all jacked and like beautiful colors. I love the purple and black. Like it's such a cool color scheme. And I don't know what happens. They just step up and Patrick Queen and all these guys just end up being like fucking monsters. Yeah. They're like the monsters from from Space Jam. <laughs> so I don't know what it is. It goes all the way back to Ray Lewis and, and, and to Ed Reed and to all these guys that are out there on that defense. And, and it just seems to never end. It, like finally, I think after Ben Roethlisberger left or after his, you know, before his last few years, the Steelers were the same way. It's just like yeah. no matter who played in that defense if they even played like for us they weren't as good they're better on the Steelers it was like Carlos Dansby that like was like all pro for the Cardinals came to us was decent but not great and then he went back to the Cardinals was a pro bowler again and you're like what the fuck happened how right you know it doesn't matter the coach it doesn't matter the players they put on a Ravens jersey and they fucking are studs and that's what we got to fucking deal with on Sunday yeah and it's not just the linebackers and it's not just the defensive backs I mean it's all three levels of that defense. I mean, that they have a defensive tackle 
who I think has like 14 sacks on the year. <laughs> I mean, they get after the quarterback early. They get after the quarterback often. They're stout against the run. They can completely disrupt your pass game. I mean, Kyle Hamilton had two interceptions against the San Francisco 49ers, pretty much broke his hip, and he's probably going to play this weekend. I mean, or his knee or whatever the hell happened. I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to be out. Um, you're absolutely right. This Baltimore Ravens defense, I mean, you mentioned studs who would have been studs anywhere in the country on any team at any point in terms of Ed Reed. Uh, and, and of course, uh, 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 Ray Lewis, but I'll give you one to your point, Tony Siragusa, the goose. He was an average fat white guy. Talk about random white 92. Tony Siragusa might be that guy. The original random white 92 goes to the Baltimore Ravens, completely just squishes Rich Gannon and brings the Baltimore Ravens to their first Super Bowl win. You're absolutely right. They don the jersey. They start wearing purple. And wouldn't you know it if they become superstars? They have so many good defensive players, Chris, that they just basically tossed Zach Sealer to us. They're like, we have enough. You can have him. Think about that. Zach Sealer was a Baltimore Raven, and they just had so much going on that he just like went under the radar and we were able to steal him. And look what he has done for the Miami Dolphins. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Zach Sealer against this Baltimore Ravens offense because I think it's going to be a little bit of a revenge game for him. Uh, but you're right, man. That defense is just uh, lights out. Yeah, the 49ers have been just absolutely fucking dismantling teams. And they went out there and just were like, yeah, our ball, our ball, shoot the J, made it net 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 and they're just like they were just unstoppable like like the 49ers who was like a machine and of course yeah. i have like you know debo samuel and like fantasy semifinals Doing and shit and brock purdy getting me four points um it's just the thing is that kind of gives me some optimism is that i feel like tua and i think people listening to the show will agree but i think if you're actually thinking logically if you're a fan of any other team I think Tua is a better quarterback all around than Brock Purdy um, by far. Yeah. So I don't see this happening the same way as it did. It took a massive comeback to beat this team a few years ago in Baltimore, and we did it. Uh, so it's possible, and maybe Tua will be confident. But it, that that defense worries me, man. It's going to be very tough to win this game on the road with the one seed on the line and uh, the, the crowd behind the, the bad guys. Yeah, I mean, like you talked about, the crowd for this Dallas Cowboys game was super loud. It's going to be the exact opposite for the Miami Dolphins this week against the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be in Baltimore. That crowd is going to be absolutely batshit bananas, insane. Miami Dolphins have to break that huddle with 15 seconds left on the play clock if they want to run the offense, or else it's going to be penalties for delay of game or timeouts when they don't want to take timeouts. I saw Holy them do shit, against can we Dallas. Stop Wilson. that by now. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, it's just. They broke the huddle against the Cowboys with eight seconds left. And I'm like, this is a timeout or a penalty. There's no way they're getting the playoff with all that. With all the motion, motion we do. Yeah. Exactly. So think about this with this defense too. Uh, Adam Schefter put this out and uh, TE pop 84. Shout out to tight end pop 84. Part of the okayest fantasy league ever. Uh, he, he let us know about this. Here are some of the notable injuries quarterbacks have suffered this season versus the Ravens defense. Week six, Ryan Tannehill, high ankle sprain. You know, he used to play wide receiver, Chris. Week 10, Deshaun Watson. Fractured shoulder. Week 11, Joe Burrow, torn wrist ligament. Week 15, Trevor Lawrence, concussion. Week 16, Brock Purdy, stinger. Um, if there was ever an opportunity for Tua Tungvaluwa to call somebody else's number, and that number being 31 for Raheem Mostert, this might be the game, Chris. If I'm looking at this list of litany of injuries that quarterbacks that the Baltimore Ravens have put on the shelf this season alone, I'm looking at uh, this list of I'm Tua Tungvaluwa, and I'm going, hey, uh, Mikey, what about uh, we throw Chris Brooks out there? Maybe uh, – a little bit of a Devon Achan. Uh, maybe Jeff Wilson could take the ball for three runs in a row. I don't know. Just thinking, just hypothesizing. 
they are just beating teams up, I guess is the point here, Chris. Yeah, we got to, and, and I have confidence that Mike McDaniel is going to have a game plan of screens, running the ball, things like that. They like really tame that pass rush, uh, getting sure. to a uh, lot of Smythe hanging out and you know doubling Patrick Queen, things like that. Like they tried to do with Micah Parsons, who still got free a few times to hit Tua. Um, sometimes though, they get paid. They get paid too. So like well, they're gonna they're gonna win. We just got to make yeah. sure they don't win more than 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 we do. So uh, it's gonna be interesting to see his game plan. It's it's uh, one of those games where it's just like it's it's not all or nothing, but it's it's all man. Like this is like who we're gonna play in the playoffs. Is this team ready to go and be a great team to continue their season uh, when it's sudden death in a few weeks? And it, we're going to find out what our team's made of. I, I think you just hit it on the head. The Miami Dolphins answered a question when they beat a good team in the Dallas Cowboys last week. Can they go beat a great team? Because I think the Baltimore Ravens are a great team, especially the way they're playing right now. Can the Miami Dolphins step up and make that happen? All right. So you talked about this Baltimore Ravens defense. One of the reasons why we hate the Baltimore Ravens this week. I'm going to quote myself here, Chris. Here's one that I've got. I did research. I don't normally do research. I did research for this episode, and I went back. Wow. Yeah, check out this source. The source is me. <laughs> the source is me from episode 38. We're almost on episode 300. This is years ago, Chris. Episode 38. If you go to welcometoperfectville.com and scroll down infinitely, you can find episode 38 called The Other Hateful Eight. Now, this was an episode... Chris, that I went through and I listed in order of least hated to most hated all the teams in the NFL with the exception of the AFC East, because obviously that's going to be one, two, and three with the Jets, Patriots, Bills, put them in whatever order you want. These were the other 28. And number four on that list, all those many years ago, the Baltimore Ravens, Chris. Take a listen to this. I, uh, I pulled this up. I have this queued up. Let's see if I can make this happen. Let's see if the listeners can also listen to this. Just listen to what I had to say about the Baltimore Ravens way back when during the hateful 28. Uh, number four, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Look, this is a team that's caused us nightmares in the playoffs over the last, you know, two decades, like the three times we've made the actual playoffs. Uh, Brian Billick and his players actually went and pissed on our field uh, <laughs> after beating us one uh, one playoff run. And another time, Sam Madison picked off his quarterback and then was taunting in front of Brian Billick, and he picked up and he flipped off Sam Madison with his Super Bowl ring on the middle finger. Uh, to this day, bothers me uh, that, the, that the that the Baltimore Ravens have got one us got one over on us. And uh, I love it every time they lose. And I love when the Miami Dolphins are able to beat them. I love that we were able to beat them to go 1-15 and and not 0-16. and That, to this day, is one of the best memories as a Miami Dolphin over the last 20 years. Um, but Baltimore Ravens. Sad. Yeah, it is. It is sad. But uh, <laughs> that's why they're number four on the list. Number three, uh, another. All right. How about that, Chris? All the way back then, I was hating on the Baltimore Ravens. Number four, the fourth most hated team that I have outside of the AFC East. The only ones in front of them, the Pittsburgh Steelers at number three, San Francisco 49ers, and Las Vegas at the time, Oakland Raiders. I stand by that list. I might flip-flop Pittsburgh and Baltimore, but uh, I feel pretty good about this. I, I hate the Baltimore Ravens for all those reasons that I just sourced from myself, Chris. Yeah, you didn't have a wrong reason at all for that list. Um yeah, even the the year that of Pennington that we win eleven and five, we're like so excited to go into the playoffs, and they just fucking yes. skull fucked us, <laughs> and we had no excuses. Like we had no injuries, nothing. This is the team that was just beating the shit out of everybody, and 
they're like, oh, hey, fuck you. You're done. Good, <laughs> cool, cool season. You're, you're out of here. I'm one and done. It was a home game, by the way. Home game. It was home. Yes. It was a home playoff game. Like, it's just, yeah, man, fuck the Ravens, dude. Like, they just, like, uh, they're like the Texans of the past. You remember the Texans? We just could never beat them. We couldn't, we went like 0 for 8 for the first eight times we played them. Yeah. And they were not good. Like, why are we not ever beating the Houston Texans? And it's just the Ravens now, kind of. Obviously, we beat them on uh, Monday Night Football, I believe it was. And Flores just zero blitzed the shit out of Lamar Jackson. And then we won in that comeback faction. Uh, so I think, what are we, 2-0 the last two meetings? Um, but the, the one before that, I think it was Tua's rookie year, Lamar Jackson just absolutely fucking like blazed us for like you know, Hollywood Brown had like four touchdowns and they killed us. So, I mean, the Ravens uh, and us have had some battles, but, man, it's not been very pretty. And it, it's definitely not something I'm excited about playing them in December of this year. No, I mean, and, and again, all of those games on their own don't equate to what's happening right now in real time with this Baltimore Ravens team and that Miami Dolphins team all time, eight and eight Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens. That includes playoffs. That includes regular season. This is the quote unquote rubber match, if you will. Somebody's going nine and eight. Somebody's going eight, and nine against the respective opponent here. But yeah, uh, they pissed on our field. They beat us at home in the playoffs multiple times. They flipped off Sam Madison with a middle finger Super Bowl ring. And uh, have That's generally- such a fucking awesome flex, though. God damn, it is. And, I mean, like you, you pick off the quarterback and you turn around and you look at him like, now what, right? And he just flips you off with a Super Bowl ring that you don't have. <laughs> it's pretty good, actually. Fuck, that's savage. And it's Brian Billick of all people. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, of course. So, uh, what's another reason why we hate the Baltimore Ravens here, Chris? Well, Sam, this is a reason where I think Cleveland Brown fans. Um, will appreciate and agree with. Um, didn't they just like overnight up and fucking pack the trucks and move the goddamn team? Like that's Almost. the most bullshit fucking way to rip a fan base heart out and just show it to them beating in front of their face to move to Baltimore of all places where, by the way, fucking Old Bay seasoning, super overrated. That shit is not good. It's not good. If it's in anything I'm, I am having, I'm fucking puking. Like there's Cajun seasoning that absolutely blows that out of the fucking water. This crab bullshit is just yeah. ridiculous. Also, Fuck I'm going to just interrupt. If I can interrupt here, Jimmy's famous seafood in Baltimore, highly under uh, overrated. All the seafood in Miami, so much better than anything that Jimmy or John or anybody else up there in Baltimore can put on your plate. Don't buy the hype when it comes to that. Anyway, yeah, to- I'll take snow crab from Miami all day over blue crab from fucking Baltimore. That's right. The waters up there are like murky. They look like, you know, half the fan base shit in the intercoastal and they yeah. pull the crabs out of it. The seasoning is just from all the decaying bodies that are left in the harbor there. That's yeah, uh, the fact yeah. that you have to pour a fucking pound of goddamn red fucking seasoning that tastes like paprika, like on steroids just to mask the fucking nasty musky waters of Baltimore. Look, you're, you're most famous for two things. And it's pretty fucking embarrassing crab cakes and the show, the wire, yeah, which is yeah. all about just crack dealers and fucking cr- crooked cops. So um, yeah, fuck Baltimore. That's a good show though. I mean, uh, what, what's Miami's favorite Miami vice. That's, that's it, right? The wire is better it's than our face. I mean, you're going show. shows or movies shows. Okay. Uh, Ballers was pretty good. Ballers is all right. It was about the Miami Dolphins, so I like that. But uh, I, I think mean, Miami in Vice the NFL is more and famous, agents, right? yeah, yeah, it's more <laughs> famous. Yeah, 
So I, I'm going to give them the wire over Miami Vice. I think uh, that's okay. That's okay <laughs> that's to fair. give them. But but the seafood, but, uh, you're going to Miami for that. That's, that's well, and also I'll take like 30 other things over Baltimore in Miami, including the weather, the people, the women, the beaches, yeah, the food, sure. the diversity. Um, yep. Yep. You know the the lack of AIDS, the cocaine. Wow. Okay, you're going to get another letter written to us uh, based on that right there. That's uh, <laughs> that, that would be. His I'm just thinking Travis needle Wingfield. sharing. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. T Wingfield at Miami Dolphins.com. Um, all right there, Chris. So I don't know if we Love came you, up with the th- I don't know if we came up with the third reason uh, to hate the Baltimore Ravens. We just know that we do. Uh, so let's just get into this game here, Chris. Let's talk about the X's and O's, the nuts and bolts of this Baltimore Ravens, Miami Dolphins team. So uh, game, I should say. So I already you and I already talked about this Baltimore Ravens defense. Very good on every single level. What I loved that the Miami Dolphins did against Dallas, which may help them in this game, is use Durham Smythe to the yes. point of having five or six receptions and targets against the Dallas Cowboys. He was getting eight, nine, ten yards. He wasn't getting a lot of yak. He wasn't going to break away from anybody. He was catching the ball, turning, lowering his shoulder, getting hit, falling down. But he was getting eight, nine, ten yards at a clip. And he hasn't really done that consistently all season long here, Chris. As they said in that uh, uh, during the broadcast, the next evolution of this offense, according to Mike McDaniel, is using that tight end more often. So the reason I bring that up, I think if Miami is going to attack, they're going to have to attack those linebackers. As weird as that sounds, they're going to have to figure out a way to either get that tight end, Durham Smythe, beyond the level of the tight ends to where he can catch some balls about 10, 12 yards down the field and have those safeties start to cheat and come up. And if they start to cheat and come up, guess what happens? Tyreek Hill. He's going to happen. Probably not Jalen Waddle. probably not playing in this game. We'll talk about that later. However, if they put those linebackers back, if they start to cheat those back because Durham Smythe is starting to eat their lunch nibble by nibble, then you got the running game. Then you got Jeff Wilson, who I think is another guy who's going to have to step up in this game. We need somebody who's mean. We need somebody who's angry. We need somebody who's going to punch them in the throat with every single run that he takes. And to me, that smacks of Jeff Wilson Jr. in this running. I mean, Devon Achan's great. Raheem Mostert is amazing. Jeff Wilson, man, this guy gets the nitty-gritty done. He gets the dirty work done. Durham Smythe, Jeff Wilson, I think those are going to be the keys on offense to start to find little chunks and chinks in the armor of the Baltimore Ravens. Very good defense, and to the point where they have to start accounting for them, and then then what happens? Tyreek Hill happens. Raheem Mostert happens. Devon Achan happens. Trickery happens. But I think Durham Smythe, man, He's the key to unlocking scoring against this Baltimore Ravens defense, in my opinion. Um, I love that you said that because during the game, Smythe uh, multiple times kept drives going for us. And it's because we are taking what the defense was giving us, which we don't Mm -hmm. seem to do too much. Tua sometimes Mm -hmm. wants all or nothing. And even if it's third and four, like just get the five yards to Barrios. I think he's had a, him and Craig have, have had a significant low amount of, um, pass, passing opportunities uh, yeah. where if you look at back at the old like Patriot teams, Brady would just fucking dink and dunk you down the goddamn field and break your spirit because you had the fast guys covered over the top. Now what? Oh, well, there's Amendola for 12. You know, there, there's, uh, you know, um, um, Welker for eight, you know, out of bounds. Beautiful. You know, it, th- that's the kind of shit, no matter how much we hate it and it pissed us off while watching it live against us, that's the key. And then you just lull them to sleep or get them moved up. And then you take the deep shot. And that's where yeah. I think 
Belichick and Brady don't get enough credit for is being confident enough in their offense to say, hey, I'm good with six here. I'm good with eight here. We don't need 40 every time. And this game against the Cowboys felt like a different offense because we were doing that. We are hitting Smythe for eight when they had Waddle and Hill covered up. You know, they had Mostert out of the backfield, which was a great play, by the way, where he's going right and then came back left against the defense in through all those linemen. Um, We have to keep doing that. I agree completely. Um, I think someone like a Berrios or Craycraft where um, Waddle is out needs to step up. It's not just Jeff, uh, you know, Cedric Wilson. Um, Jeff Wilson, though, going back to him, you're absolutely right. We just talked about this defense for the Ravens ad nauseum about how tough they are, how gritty they are. We need a guy that comes in that fights you back. And a Jeff yep. Wilson's going to do that, and it's going to um, bruise them up. We're going to need that. And then it's going to open up the things over the top, uh, not to sound so parroting of you. Um, defensively, we have to get after Lamar Jackson. We have to wrap him up. That's right. the thing, man. Like Dak just like would slip out of stuff. Ch- Chubb had guys, and then they slip off uh, two weeks ago. Um, we have to get him on the ground, and we you got to spy him, which everybody says that's great. But without like a Baker or somebody who you spy him with, we got to hope Holland's healthy and able to play. Um, but we have to get to him, and get him fast, because. Lamar Jackson's so quick his release. And then if it is covered, he'll just fucking run. And that's yeah. where this danger plays happen. And we have to we have to limit that. I mean, there was a there was a play against the 49ers where he's scrambling out to the right and he's just he looks like he's gonna take off. And then last second he just drops the ball to his running back who's wide open because everyone came crashing down on Lamar. And I don't blame the Niners for doing that. They're trying to contain him from taking off and scoring on a, you know, whatever it would have been at the time, 50 yard, you know, scamper. Um, but he just dumped it. He just it was like a little bloop over to his running back. And the running back goes and picks up 35 because by the time anyone realized what had happened, they were 20 yards away from him. So he just ran down the, I would think it was Gus Edwards. He just ran down the fucking sideline until finally somebody caught him and pushed him out of bounds. I mean, that's the stuff that scares me and uh, will probably keep Vic Fangio up at night because I don't know how you defend that. The Miami Dolphins are typically really, really uh, strong against pocket passing quarterbacks. Um, and they've been very strong this season against pocket passing quarterbacks. They've been better, but not great against people that can go out and create on their own. I mean, Dak Prescott, you named it. And Mike McDaniel brought it up on Hard Knocks when that Cowboys game where he said, this guy leads the league in yardage on third down scrambles. And what happens? Dak Prescott goes out there and does exactly that. We knew what he is capable of doing. We found what their you know superpower was with Dak Prescott on third down. We still had a really hard time stopping it. So how do you do that on first, second, and third down when it comes to Lamar Jackson? Their weapons, Mark Andrews is out. He doesn't scare me too much. Odell Beckham, I think we can you know, cover him. Zay Flowers is a little banged up. He doesn't scare me to the point he's concerning, but he doesn't scare me to the point of like, okay, this is CeeDee Lamb. This is A.J. Brown. This is Tyreek Hill. They don't have those types of weapons, but they have a very mean offensive line. They've got a very great quarterback in Lamar Jackson who can go out and create. Um, and that's what they need to somehow prevent. They need to stop the ability of Lamar Jackson going out and creating plays. If he has to play with with whatever is on the playbook, whatever play is called, I think this Miami Dolphins team can have some, some success on defense. But if he gets out, he gets in open space, it's going to be a long day for the Miami Dolphins in Baltimore. Yeah, and that's the concern, right? Is And that's everyone's concern when they play Baltimore, and especially with the way they're playing right now. Um, they're just... Cooking on all cylinders and embarrassed the 49ers last week. 
yep. who, like you said, we were counting on winning uh, that game uh, to yeah, help thanks, us Niners. seeding. Yeah, the Chiefs lose, which was great. That helps us, but um, this is this is a big game, Sam. It, it, it's a huge one, and we got we got to find out exactly what Mike McDaniel and this this team is made of. Yeah, and we're going to get to our final predictions here in just a minute, but I would be remiss, Chris, if we uh, didn't get back to basics here on the show. Uh, we do need to do the drinking game, bingo, whatever you want to call it, extravaganza for the Baltimore Ravens and Miami Dolphins. This, of course, is if you see this happen, you check it off on your bingo card, and once you get a bingo, you'll probably be drunk because you are drinking every single time one of these media tropes happens on national TV or regional TV, as it were, for this game. What are we going to see and what are we drinking during this Baltimore Ravens, Miami Dolphins affair? If they mention Lamar Jackson's agent is his mom, you drink. That's a good one. If they uh, if they talk about Tua Tungavailoa and Lamar Jackson both being MVP candidates, you drink. If you see highlights of um, Lamar Jackson at Louisville, um, you drink. If you see highlights of the Miami Dolphins' epic comeback last season against those Baltimore Ravens in the fourth quarter, week three, you drink, or week two, whatever it was. If you see any highlights of the Dolphins and Ravens' defenses of the 2000s, uh, Zach Thomas, Ray Lewis, things like that, comparing the defensive like you know, uh, foundation of these teams, you drink. If they show you any sort of graphic and tie it back into the wire, like we just talked about, you drink. If, if somebody quotes Wedding Crashers and says, crab cakes and football, that's what Maryland does. Snack lunch, no, 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 you, you drink. If they tie something into a stupid raven that cause an Edgar Allan Poe, you drink. Ooh. If they mentioned Lamar Jackson was asked to try out for receiver during the combine, you drink. <laughs> That's fucked up that they did that. Uh, if they show a close-up of Mike McDaniel's shoes, you drink. If Jim Harbaugh is mentioned, not John, Jim Harbaugh is mentioned at all during the broadcast, um, which would, is a very good possibility. I think their defensive coordinator was at Michigan, and they mentioned yes. it a few times, you drink. If they somehow get John Harbaugh's tongue with the telltale sign of blue chew being used, you drink. Have you seen this, Chris? No, a blue tongue. I have not seen it. So blue chew is basically a chewable version of Viagra that old men use to get their dicks hard. And the noticeable sign of when they're using it is it leaves like basically a blue streak. Like if you're, you know, if you had a lollipop or some sort of super dense food coloring candy and it like makes your mouth whatever color it is that you've had it'll make your tongue blue a season ago john harbaugh was talking and yelling and screaming and you could see that he had a blue streak on his tongue and i was like this man takes blue chew to get his flaccid penis erect so if you see that again drink more like john softball am i right, <laughs> right. anything else for the drinking game uh, if they show the highlights of the Dolphins comeback against the Ravens, uh, you drink. I already said that, so you'll you'll that's a free square at this point, but uh, that's totally fine. If they show fine, the if they one show in, us okay. beating them with with Flores and a zero blitzing, you you drink. I like that. I like it's a nice pivot. I'm gonna do one more on top of that. If they show the one in 15 season with Cleo Lemon to Greg Camarillo, 
former guest Perfect on the Bill. show. Yeah, former guest, yes. You drink. All right. Uh, I like that. That's a good bingo card right there. Uh, oh, also free free space if they show the playoff picture on what could happen based on the outcome of this game, who goes number one, who goes number two, et cetera, et cetera. Also, one more, Chris. If they somehow if they somehow blow the Buffalo Bills during this game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins and talk about how great Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are playing, take a shot. If they mention Old Bay, punch yourself in the face and take a shot. <laughs> All right there, Chris. There's the there's the the fun Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens game drinking card bingo. I've never named this. Somebody named this for me so I can uh, market it correctly. Um, let's get into it, Chris. Let's just get into the final score. Who is winning this game and by how much? Uh, well, Sam, I've been dreading this part of the show all all day um, because I'm just not feeling great about it um i think we shot our shot and it worked and it was great against the cowboys you mentioned it earlier i think they're a good team the cowboys i do uh coming into it they're us they're the nfc version of the dolphins they don't beat winning teams maybe once they are only beating losers uh and they barely squeaked out a loss against us the equivalent of their twin of the afc i think baltimore is rolling i think them being at home is a huge difference i think i know they want the one seed um, there's a lot of narrative and talk coming into the game, so the crowd's going to be hype. We're probably without Waddle or possibly without Holland. We are running a makeshift offensive line out there against one of the best defenses we've seen. Um, Sam, I'm going to say it, and if I'm right, I'm going to be pissed, and if I'm wrong, I'll be so happy. Justin Tucker, game-winning field goal, 24-21, Baltimore. Wow, you... You Judas, you went Baltimore on a Miami Dolphins podcast. This might be groundbreaking, folks. I'd have to go back and look at some of our mediocre seasons, not of our show, but of the Miami Dolphins. I'm I don't know that Chris has ever, I don't know if you've ever picked against the Miami Dolphins in the history of this show. Somebody do some research. I already did my research for this show. I don't know I that you've done that. Maybe you have. Maybe like the really bad days of Adam Gase or something like that. You you, you could have possibly he done was that. Bad? No, he wasn't good. Um Wow, I uh, I'm reeling, Chris. I'm reeling backwards. Uh, unless you're watching this, then you know I'm not moving at all. But uh, all right, screw it. I was going to pick the Ravens too, but I'm going to be a contrarian and I'm going to get the uh, good grade. So uh, I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go Jason Sanders with the game-winning field goal, 24-21. Miami Dolphins Ooh. over the Baltimore Ravens. Number one seed leaving. And I'll, I'll throw another one in. Josh Allen gets injured against the Patriots. Oh shit! <laughs> I just, I'm just gonna. Josh Allen gets injured against the Patriots. Broken knee of some sort. ACL Broken sort. knee, and then we lose to Tyrod Taylor next week. Who <laughs> <laughs> somehow gets traded from the Giants? Yeah, or fucking you know, Cody Barnes or whatever the fuck the guy is, random white guy from like <laughs> USC. Fucker named Cody Barnes. Jim, Jimmy Clausen dropping four hundred on us. Cody absolutely. Barnes for four tutties and three hundred and seventy-two <laughs> yards. All the Dolphins have to them. do is lose by three, and they clinch the one seed. <laughs> they lose by 40 to Cody Barnes. Who the fuck that is? All right. All right. Both Chris and I have it 24-21. He has it for the Dirty Birds. I have it for the Miami Fish. Chris, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of this very special episode of Perfectville? Great 2023. Let's hope it's an amazing 2024. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's it's another year down. We're coming up on, I think, the seven-year anniversary of this show. I think it's January 6th. 
Um, so happy Lucky birthday seven. to Perfectville. Happy New Year to Chris Cullen. Happy New Year to all the citizens of Perfectville. Uh, on behalf of the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, myself, the entire Believe Network, a flat soda from 1997 that Chris somehow has in his hand right now, if you're watching the video feed, uh, and presented by BetOnline.ag, the only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.